Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast made by fans like you, for fans like you. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. I am your host, Joe Kuzma, and folks, things looking a little grim, a little dire. I know we're all disappointed from last week, still still frustrated, injuries taking their toll on the Pittsburgh Steelers and their 2016 season, but, but... It's not all doom and gloom. They still have to play these football games, folks. That's the reason why they play the games, because if everything was on paper, remember, there were some outlets that were picking the Steelers to win the Super Bowl. Why not just hand the trophy to the Steelers right out the gate? We know that is just silly to even think about. So, what's the problem? Can the Steelers beat the New England Patriots, the number one ranked team according to the NFL's rankings, power ratings, whatever you want to call them that they come up with every week? Steelers are ranked 7th or considered a top 10 team in these same rankings, even despite all the injuries, next man up. So, how can the Steelers beat the Patriots? Is there hope? Well, first, I want to take this call, and I, I meant to take this call earlier in the week. Of course, very frustrated from the Miami Dolphins loss, and then kind of rather unfortunate, I didn't take it the other day, but talking about quarterbacks, this caller had a pretty interesting question. And something I wanted to bring up, and something that may still be valid, even though the chess pieces are getting shuffled around. Hey, how's it going? This is Carlos Rodriguez from uh, El Paso, Texas. I was just wondering, uh, why uh, is D'Angelo Williams not getting any playtime, man? Like, I think he deserves it, and uh, it's, uh, I mean, I love Bell, but I think D'Angelo Williams should get some play as well. So, if y'all can answer me that question, it'd be awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Go Steelers. Well, Carlos, thank you for calling in. And anyone, you're free to call in on the Steel City Underground hotline, 203-904-SCU, pretty much if you have toll-free on a cell phone or any type of internet-connected device, you could call, leave a message on our voicemail. And basically, Carlos is asking, uh, what's going on, Uh, D'Angelo Williams? Well, D'Angelo Williams, number one, is going to be ruled out for this game for the New England Patriots, along with a total of seven Steelers, which I'll get to here in a second. But uh, if you look over the last three games since Le'Veon Bell has come back, Bell has played 88, 96, and 96% of the snaps. It's for 52, 73, and 53 snaps in the games. But uh, D'Angelo Williams isn't, hasn't been totally absent, of course, in the Chiefs game. He played 29% of the snaps, 17 of the offensive plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers in that game on Sunday night football. Uh, it's just the success isn't much there, of course. D'Angelo Williams found the end zone in that game, four carries for seven yards. He's he's there. He's a great blocker. He's a team player. He's there to do everything, and I thought he'd be a good chess piece today. Uh, in the Jets game, he got 16%, and then in the Dolphins, about 13%. The Steelers pretty much abandoned the run, so 12 and 7 snaps, and basically three carries over the last two games, and since Bell has been back, a total of seven carries, but he has been targeted in the passing game. He came in late in that Chiefs game, uh, and even he was there in the Jets game too, So, uh, but you have a weapon like Le'Veon Bell, you're pretty much, he, and he's fresh, he, had, he hadn't played those first few games due to the suspension, and they're just basically putting him on the field. It's very difficult to put both backs on the field, and here's why. 
when you have a number of weapons like the Steelers do, like Antonio Brown or, well, Marcus Wheaton's out for this game as well, but you still have Sammy Coates, who should maybe see some more significant playing time, even though he's been limited in practice. Kobe Hamilton getting more reps than ever, but looked pretty pretty good last week as well. Eli Rogers is back, of course. Darius Hayward Bay. So you have all of these receivers, and you play a lot of three wide receiver sets or a lot of two tight end sets, or even where they do bring in what would be an extra, maybe like the fullback, H-back type with David Johnson. It's hard to take one of these pieces off the field. Xavier Grimble, Jesse James. Jesse James. James playing like just a ridiculous amount of snaps. He almost never comes off the field, so the Steelers always have a tight end. So in order to play one of these old school formations the Steelers are used to, like well, Steelers fans like uh, you and I, Carlos, and anybody listening, we're probably used to having like a Dan Kreider or somebody like that in the backfield, one of those uh, just bulldozing fullbacks. And that's not really the style that's been uh, utilized pretty much almost anywhere in the NFL. I mean, we see it sometimes with the Green Bay Packers. I think it's Ripkowski is the guy they have there. John Kuhn's still hanging around down with the New Orleans Saints. Um, I'm trying to think if the Chargers or somebody has somebody uh, very similar, like a fullback too. And I want to say the Ravens have like a utility guy as well, but it's very uh, very uncommon anymore. You see a lot of three wide receiver sets or two tight end sets where they're not, unless it's a jumbo package or goal line, you're not, you don't usually get uh, a crowded backfield. It's usually almost all single back. This is a passing league now. So very difficult to put two similar players like Bell and Williams on the field at the same time. Do I feel Williams maybe should get more playtime? Sure, but at what at whose expense? And it's going to be it, it would be maybe at Bell's expense here. But of course, fresh legs, younger player D'Angelo Williams, thirty three years old. Also try to keep him fresh and healthy as well. And uh, as we see, uh, some of those uh, maybe the snap count was limited against the Dolphins because he is now out with a knee this week. Uh, in fact, a surprise uh, to me was that he showed up on the on the practice report at all as having anything and now we see that he will not be playing on Sunday against the Patriots which is rather unfortunate because I felt that maybe the Steelers can mix up and do something there uh look I get everyone's frustration we Big Ben's out hopefully not for too long you got Landry Jones who's unproven uh up and down somebody I've been high on and defended I think he's capable. I think he's just as capable as Jimmy Garoppolo from the opponent had been with Tom Brady out for the first four games for the New England Patriots. Brady, now mind you, Brady's playing, been playing out of his mind. He's, he's played the Cleveland Browns, who aren't very good, obviously. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals last week, so this is the third AFC North opponent, just as the Steelers are facing their third AFC East opponent in a row here. And this... You ha- you can't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the terrible towel, guys. Um, the Patriots are banged up. They're not all. They're not as good across the board on paper. They just it's it's coaching. A lot of it's coaching. A lot of it's game planning. And we got to see if our guys can outsmart them with the the pieces that they have left. Now Gronk had been hurt for a good portion in the beginning of this year, limited with injuries, limited with the backup QB. They seem to get synced up again last week, and it was mostly all tight ends that chewed up the Cincinnati Bengals 
Uh, the Bengals themselves, between Bernard and Hill, uh, almost about 90, almost 100 yards rushing in this game. Uh, you see Andy Dalton was able to use his legs. I don't know if that's something Landry Jones would be able to do, but he was able to score a touchdown. And Dalton was 21-31, 254 with a touchdown. And A.J. Green, 6-for-88 uh, in that game. And, and Tyler Boyd actually showed up two in that game, four for 79, and they were able to throw to the backs. Bernard for four for 45, and Hill caught one as well. So it's not all gloom and doom. Cincinnati doesn't really have much of a tight end presence there, too, so we'll see if Grimble or James could get involved in this game. I just worry a little bit because Landry Jones – his main weakness seems to be when he throws uh, down the middle of the field. But if you get one of those crossing routes like he was able to get to Martavis Bryant last year, Antonio Brown, and they could rip it off in a long game, face it, this Todd Haley offense, I was I was bringing this up about, uh, I think it was a week ago that the uh, Phil Simms kid, Chris Sims, he does this thing on Bleacher Reports. He said the, the Steelers were boomer bust with the deep passing game. I don't believe that, and I do believe a lot of people that don't realize is Landry Jones, fairly accurate. He could throw down the field. If you got to see the article with the film room that I put up on SteelCityUnderground.com, you see some of the preseason and regular season passes that he was capable of making, and he was able to do it uh, with the with the four- or five-step drop and also out of the shotgun. So that's what's really encouraging to me because we don't see Ben do a lot of those drop steps and even when he did uh, he got sacked on one last week I want to say uh, it seems to be Landry Jones needs the time so I want to see Landry Jones out of the shotgun and I think that's going to help him he's got a pretty quick release I think it's going to help him as far as time and not be disruptive he's going to have to make his reads and he's going to need he's going to need help and Chris it looks like Chris Hubbard's in again at right tackle Marcus Gilbert has been ruled out for this game look uh, again it, one guy that I really, really wanted to point out in this game is you got LeGarrette Blunt here. And LeGarrette Blunt is a guy that pretty much destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers' playoff hopes a couple of years ago when he walked out on this team as a crybaby quitter in order to crawl himself right back to the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. And I hope nobody has forgotten that come Sunday. It's another guy that I want you to save your booze for. I want you to hashtag back up Landry and support this kid. Now, he goes out and has a bad game. He has a bad game. Criticize him all you want, but wait until he throws some passes. And hopefully the Steelers don't end up behind early in this one because I have a feeling if we could put some points up and maybe even get a turnover – and at least get a little bit of momentum going, this Heinzfield crowd is going to be wild. They're going to be wild. We want to see Brady's blood, okay? This is the way we feel. We don't like the New England Patriots. I mean, I don't want to see anybody seriously hurt. I don't want anybody to think that. Uh, this is, of course, a fraternity of brothers with this whole with football as a whole. We're a whole community. But as warriors on the field, I mean, we, want, we don't want to see these guys. We don't want to see them do anything. Steelers defense has to step it up. Looks like they're going to get some pieces back. We see Mike Mitchell has practiced in full. Ryan Shazier, practice full participant, should be back as well. Cam Hayward ruled out, unfortunately. And I think also I saw uh, Stefan Tuitt limited, but we need him. We need a big game from him. I think Javon Hargrave or Ricardo Matthews could come in. We need to slap the run. And the Patriots weren't necessarily they, – they had attempts. They they ran the ball about 20 times. Blunt only had 50 yards. Uh, James White had 19. 
Blunt got a TD. He had a 15-yard long. It was mostly the tight ends. Okay, they were targeted 14 times, and we see Rob Gronkowski had seven for 162 last week in a TD. It was his big coming out party against the Bengals. The Bengals also gave up five for 48 to Martellus Bennett as well, and James White had a big day coming out of the backfield, uh, catching a lot of passes. He was targeted nine times, caught all but one of those for 47 yards and had two touchdowns. So this is almost very similar to at least coming out of the backfield. They should they should be used to this with the Eagles, and this was something that uh, the Kansas City Chiefs came into this game, uh, came into Heinz Field on a Sunday night. They came in with a guy that doesn't make very many mistakes with a coach who's very good in Andy Reid. They have some guys that could stretch a field like Jeremy Macklin. They had Jamal Charles coming back, although not utilized as much. Spencer Ware, definitely a capable backup, uh, capable of pounding the ball, capable of catching the ball. And there were some mistakes made. And once again, it was rain and, and bad weather. Looks like it's going to be clear at Heinz finally for this game. But... I see very, very much similarities. Travis Kelsey, who they call Baby Gronk, I see they, he, they shut him down for the most part. He didn't do a whole lot of damage. I think he got that garbage time TD at the end. This isn't impossible. They could get to and rattle some of these players on this New England Patriots team. You can't tell me that I, I that you think Chris Hogan is some Pro Bowl wide receiver. He's one of the starters. Julian Edelman has been on a decline, on a backslide for a while. Targeted seven times, only caught three. I'm sorry, caught four for 30 in this game uh, against the Bengals last week. Has not been having a, a a big year. In fact, he's been on decline for the last three or four years if you look at his numbers. Danny Amendola, another guy that's kind of here nor there. This is, this is a game that is very peculiar and could actually be much like last week where no one was giving credit to Miami Dolphins and thought that they could beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think a lot of people are giving uh, giving the Steelers no credit and thinking they can beat the Patriots. This could be a trap game for the Patriots who have to go on the road into Pittsburgh. And they've had varied success. And they have their own problems with injuries as well. So just going over the injury report again, as I mentioned, D'Angelo Williams is out for the Steelers. Marcus Wheaton is out as well. Marcus Gilbert as the right tackle. And I think Marcus Gilbert, uh, they were quoted, I think it was Marquise Pouncey or Ramon Foster was quoted as saying they were surprised that Gilbert was held out. I think they're just trying to rest him up through the bye and have him ready and ready to roll for the rest of the year. I think they feel confident enough in how Chris Hubbard has played to allow him to play in this game and give Gilbert some additional rest. Shamarco Thomas out from this game as well. Really only a a special teams blow there. Ben, of course, Roethlisberger, the biggest, biggest blow to this team. Listen, Landry Jones, a lot of people don't, don't feel good about this situation, but I think if he could just manage this game, I was making this argument uh, in the last episode about like a Dak Prescott. If Landry only has to throw less than 30 passes, and he could he could make use of Antonio Brown, stretch the field with DHB or Sammy Coates. Lev Bell has to be huge. He took this team on his back when Vic was here as the starting quarterback in Ben's place last year. This can happen. And really, Josh Scobie was the reason that the Steelers lost that one game on Thursday night football that Vic uh, Vic couldn't complete any type of passes. Certainly worse, worst-case scenario than Landry Jones, but you saw the same thing happen against the Chargers. One deep pass, 
put it in position to win, put it put it on uh, Lev Bell's shoulders, put it on his back. He gets the rock, he gets it in the end zone, and they win that game. We could be looking at a very similar gutty performance here as well. Last two names on this list, Cody Wallace, nobody expected him to be back anyway. And then, of course, Cam Hayward, which I think Cam Hayward, it hurts even more because maybe maybe the best defense in this game is going to be an offense that chews the clock, has time of possession. So in that, the defensive players, they got to be healthy. We do get a game changer back with Ryan Shazier. Mike Mitchell could always be a game changer. Robert Golden, also a full participant in practice. We're going to see what happens. This is the 25th regular season meeting between Pittsburgh and New England. The Steelers actually hold a 14-10 advantage in the overall series, and they defeated the Patriots in 10 of their 16 meetings in Pittsburgh. They won the last game that was there at Heinz Field in uh, 2011. And that was, uh, let me see, the two teams have met four times in the month of October, all in Pittsburgh, in which the Steelers are 3-1 and one against the Patriots. So, uh, the Patriots, they're going to be playing the AFC North again. Once again, this is the third straight week. They beat the Browns 33-16, and then they beat the Bengals last week 35-17, and it's it's starting a, a road trip for them as well. But they are very good on the road. They have the best road record in the NFL since Bob Kraft purchased his team in 1994. They are 108-70 on the road. They're 2 and 0 on the road in 2016 so far in this season after they won 23-21 against the Arizona Cardinals and then of course that victory against the Cleveland Browns I had just referenced. So, how do we expect this game to work exactly? Uh the Steelers are banged up. The Steelers uh are playing a team that's very good on the road. I think the first thing out of the gate is if you win this coin toss, you want New England's offense on the field first. Why do I say that? Because Landry Jones may he has a lot of pressure on him already. What I don't want is is one of these situations where you don't defer and you your offense gets the ball first. You could strike first. I know Tomlin likes to be aggressive, but if it doesn't work and you're three and out and then New England gets the ball and drives, well, that's going to suck. And that's that's going to be really really demoralizing for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. What I would rather see is, is that the defense gets an opportunity to prove whatever first. If New England strikes first, so be it. If the Steelers could come back and strike back, I think that gives this team some hope and it gives them a little bit of confidence. What happens in the other circumstance is – is you get the halftime and maybe you're down. Now you're giving the ball right back to New England when the fans are still all in the restrooms and buying beer and food at halftime, and it's a quiet stadium to start the third quarter, which I don't like. That is a great environment, however, for the Steelers. Should they should they be down or should this game be close, they have an opportunity to close that gap when the second half starts. And then by the time, hopefully, that the Patriots have their chance to get their hands on the ball, all the fans are back in their seats and rowdy, and maybe it's a close game. Maybe even the Pittsburgh's up. Maybe it's just a couple points, and it's close, and the crowd can maybe help take Tom Brady and the Patriots out of this game. But what I don't want to see is I don't want to see the defense on the field for too long. We saw that didn't work out too well with a lot of just just piss-poor drives by the Steelers against the Miami Dolphins. Excuse my language, but there's no other there's no other way of you can't sugarcoat it. I can't sugarcoat it. So the the Steelers this is going to be another one of these offensive defensive line deals. And we saw the Cincinnati Bengals had some success 
They had some success with the interior linemen that aren't necessarily. This isn't a good New England Patriots offensive line. This is just you have a smart quarterback who gets rid of the ball fast. And like I said, he's getting rid of it to tight ends. He's getting rid of it to running backs or trying to create these mismatches. And I think the Steelers, I think the Steelers are going to be equipped to handle this, whether it be Lawrence Timmons, Vince Williams, Ryan Shazier. I think the linebacking core is going to be capable of of at least helping. Let's put it this way. Gronk could catch passes. Bennett can catch passes. It just can't be killers down the field. And we saw what they did with Travis Kelsey. They removed him from most of that game. They took the running backs out of it. It was a very similar style type of dink and dunk that KC had that the Eagles killed the Steelers with. So if they have, in fact, corrected this and they actually get a piece back on the field that's capable of creating turnovers like Ryan Shazier and blitzing, don't, don't, Forget about that. But Tom Brady, very good at picking up the blitz, as is New England prepared for it. The Dick LeBeau-era defenses didn't have very much success in bringing Brady down. But Brady, he did go down several times to the Bengals last week, and I think that's part of the blueprint, just that Cincinnati couldn't get it done for all four quarters. But I still think, even without Ben Roethlisberger and with Landry Jones in there, the Steelers' offense may be more capable with Bell and Brown and a few other guys, if Coates can go, or even DHB, if he could at least catch the ball when it's put in there. And he made a very difficult catch in the first preseason game with the Detroit Lions that Landry Jones put where only he can get it. So we we know that Landry Jones is at least capable of making the throws as long as he's as long as the Steelers are playing mostly mistake free. This includes penalties as well as turnovers. I think they have a shot of staying in this game if they can force that needle over into their territory and maybe get a plus one or plus two in the turnover category, however that may work, whether that's uh, maybe stripping a ball from James White or picking off a pass. The Steelers' uh, defensive backs, with all the linebackers right now currently, all three interceptions are linebackers that, that have had those picks. So we need the defensive backs to do something, whether it's Mike Mitchell. And although I will take it, if Ryan Shazier is able of uh, picking off a pass intended for one of these tight ends, hey, you know what, I'll take it however it could come. I'm just trying to make some guesses here. But I think the biggest biggest mismatches are going to be wherever they can put Le'Veon Bell because he could go anywhere all over the field. And I also wouldn't be surprised. We haven't seen it for a while, but I'm thinking we could see some Wildcat this weekend. And that could be very interesting. Maybe even the end around, which worked very well against the Miami Dolphins with the Darius Hayward Bay touchdown. And most of that was on Hayward Bay. There was He broke some tackles and he had some vision to, he almost looked like Antonio Brown, to be honest with you, running that ball. Uh, almost looked like a punt or kick return there. So this this could be huge. And speaking of special teams, Antonio Brown, if he's returning punts in this game, I don't expect Belichick to kick the ball anywhere near him. But if he gets his hand on the ball, that could be the difference maker. Because on the other side of the ball here, you have Steven Gostowski, the, the kicker for the New England Patriots. He's missed five field goal attempts and two extra point attempts dating back to the AFC Championship game last year and the preseason this year, and he missed a point after attempt uh, in the Cincinnati Bengals game as well. And the Patriots aren't necessarily a a mistake-free football team either. And they were playing at home last week, and they still were penalized six times for 55 yards. Uh, they, you could get in their head. There was a taunting penalty from Gronk. There was unnecessary roughness from LeGarrette Blunt. 
This is certainly something that can happen. Brady was sacked three times. Like I said, the now the Cincinnati has a very good defensive line, but if Keith Butler could find ways to bring pressure in different ways, this could help. So Patriots aren't getting any more help either as far as the injury bug. They're not going to be getting running back Deion Lewis back, uh, not expected to practice at all. Uh, well, did not practice at all, and Trey Jackson, one of their guards, should be out as well. So the way these teams rank up or, or match up, the Steelers rank ninth in points per game, 11th in points allowed, and New England is 13th in points per game and 2nd in points allowed. It's kind of rough. So you're you're definitely looking at both sides of the ball. You would think this would be evenly matched if both teams were at full strength. In fact, I think the Steelers would be far more talented on offense if they had all of their weapons available. But the the aside from Ben, the biggest ones, of course, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, I almost feel cheated not having some of these guys on the field. It feels the same way when they played the Denver Broncos and they didn't have uh, – they Ben wasn't at full health. They had Fitzgerald Tucson out there because they didn't have D'Angelo Williams, and they didn't have Le'Veon Bell, and they didn't have Antonio Brown in that playoff game either. And it was still a game that was close to the vest. So this is going to be interesting to see because other wide receivers, uh, you see the Patriots, they, they only they gave up a big game to Jarvis Landry, just pretty much as the Steelers did last week. Uh, the 10 catches, 135 yards. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald also had a decent day against them. They had two two scores. So this can happen. This can definitely happen. Antonio Brown has a much better rapport than most people think with Landry Jones. Uh, I had put out some of the statistics that Jones had actually thrown less passes but completed uh, less passes than Michael Vick did towards uh, Antonio Brown, but Brown caught more balls from Landry Jones on less attempts than the more attempts and less balls from Michael Vick. He, They both, uh, Martavis Bryant last year, had three touchdowns from Landry Jones as well, and uh, as far as just moving the chains in a first down situation, Antonio Brown moved uh, the chains eight times with Landry Jones versus four with Michael Vick, and Michael Vick actually had maybe uh, more reps on the field. I'm not going to say more or less pass attempts. They were pretty much even there. And Jones, of course, starting one full game, as did Vic, before both of them either left with injuries or just in relief appearances of one another. But Antonio Brown is a killer of the New England Patriots. He has had some very solid games in the past. Back in 2011, he caught nine passes, 67 yards, and a touchdown. 2013, he also, uh, in in that game that was the very ugly 55-31 to 31 type blowout, and this is why we feel uneasy, uh, that game just really got out of control for the Steelers in, in a bad way. But that 2013 team, I feel, was a much less talented defense. The thing that's really not on the Steelers' side is the youth and inexperience, For but they're quick. They're capable, and you just never know who's going to step up. But Brown in that game, 5 for 71 in a TD. And then most recently, the one that opened the season last year, the 28-21 to loss, which, again, Josh Scobie, if he can make some field goals in this game, maybe a little bit closer. But Brown had nine catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. So I don't see anybody like Malcolm Butler or any of the corners that the Patriots have. They've got enough concerns trying to cover Antonio Brown, let alone trying to force pressure on Landry Jones and find out where Le'Veon Bell is on the field. And 
Lord knows who else might step up here. Sammy Coates flying down the field, DHB flying down the field, Eli Rogers across the middle or down the seam along with Jesse James. Maybe a little bit of uh, a bump and release if they could get some quick quick stuff going. Uh, I think a lot of people are thinking screens. I don't want to see screens necessarily. I don't want to see anybody jump one of these routes anticipating something and take one to the house because the last thing that the Steelers need is to make any mistakes in this game. That also goes towards uh, our linemen uh, holding like uh, Alejandro Villanueva or David DeCastro or any of these guys. Uh, They're going to have to step up in a big way. And if they could give Jones the amount of time, Jones is capable of making decent throws with players in his face. He's been knocked on his rear a lot. The only attempt that he got coming in cold with no practice reps last week against the Dolphins. He had a guy coming in from his left, hands up, and he tries to throw it away to his right. Just had to get a little more zip on the ball. I really don't think it was intended for much of anyone, but his uh, his read was definitely to tight end Xavier Grimble, who was open right if he could have thrown it to his left. If he, if he would have even tried, it could have been batted, could have been up in the air, picked. Uh, he could have been hit while throwing, maybe fumble. So still, even though that was an ugly attempt to try and get it out on the sidelines. I still think it was smarter than any number of other things he could have done with the ball, but he literally had no time, comes up from under center, does his usual four-step. I don't even think he got the fourth step in because once he tries to take like that little hop off of his back leg that he that he does before releasing the ball, and it's all timing. It's, it's really timing and programming with Landry, whereas Ben is – Read, read, look, read, look, read. You see Landry kind of goes, bup, 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 bup. He's back, and then he's ready to release and and get that get the first read, get that hot route. And we just got to hope that we get a little bit more of the Landry that came in with Arizona and was capable of moving some of the protections, calling the audibles, and we saw how that worked. It was more of a fluid uh, more like the Steelers' offense we're used to seeing run. It was one of the more impressive things that I, I, I have in my recent memory as far as seeing any backups come in and play, especially as excruciating as it was to see Michael Vick try and throw some of these ducks around. But like I said, uh, two-thirds of the killer bees out there, as far as the three killer bees we have this year, we're going to have to see more of Bell, 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 and more Bell. I think the Steelers got away from running the ball and they Last week, they definitely did the same thing against the Eagles. This is the way that they could control time of possession, chew away the clock, and make sure they keep the ball away from New England so New England's offense cannot do the same thing. So remember, folks, save your booze for Brady. Save your booze for LeGarrette Blunt, and let's go Steelers. Let's support these guys. I know it's difficult. It's difficult. These guys are probably thinking the same thing going in, but you know what? Patriots might be confident with them, overconfident. 5-1, and one, we've seen it happen. You see it happen on every level in every sport. This is professional. This is, the, this is the pros. This is what these guys get paid for. This is the next man up. Mike Tomlin and his crew ready to make sure the standard is the standard. Certainly, this is a big test. Let's see if the Steelers can pass it. Let's get behind them on Sunday. For those of you at Heinz Field, let's make it louder than ever and totally miserable for Tom Brady. Until then, folks, we'll see next episode what I've got to say. We'll see if there's going to be a lot of people screaming at me and I'm going to have to stick my head in the sand. Or we'll see if I could come out with my 
head up, chest out, and just all smiles come Monday. Until next time, be safe, be good, and I will catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.